All right, here we go, boys. Five, four, three, two, and... Hey, everybody, welcome to the Nerdy Bunch Presents and Double SN. We are the Nerdy Sports uh, Podcast, brought to you a bunch of sports nerds. Of course, I'm here, American Yang, Travis Rosenbluth, Koki, with the fresh throwback hat. Koki, introduce yourself and say hello. Hi, how you doing, guys? I got this uh, Eagles corduroy on. It's very nice. It's very nice. That's toasty hot. And Tim. Nice little fit. Tim, how are you doing? What's up, guys? Another beautiful Monday. Hope all the moms out there enjoyed their weekend. And uh, let's get back to action, talking basketball. Getting back to basketball. And there's a lot to cover, guys. There's a lot to cover as we finish up the uh, Last Dance, episode seven and eight. Uh, the long-awaited finale, which I'm not going to lie to you, didn't really feel like a finale, but we can kind of wrap it all up in a bow at the end of this. Oh, no, Travis, Travis, we have two thoughts. more episodes. Travis, we I just I dropped, you have two more episodes. <laughs> Why did Wikipedia tell me it was only an eight-part series? Then? Wikipedia lied to no, you. It's no, a ten-part no, 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 series, no, no. bro, bro. Right, well, that makes sure I read my article before this, man. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, you know it's what? Like... Like the average internet purveyor, I use Wikipedia to tell me the truth and only about the truth. So help me, Wikipedia. But um, okay, well, there you go. We are off to a great start, obviously, knowing <laughs> that there's actually a 10 part series. But anyway, um, let's go through these next, these last two episodes then. We kind of, I don't know, it felt a little bit of a filler, just kind of throwing in some, uh, you know, entertainment aspects. But of course, we see. Uh, you know, his father's big influence on him and the, the number change and, you know, the the, uh, the baseball. I mean, there's a lot to go in on. So, Tim, you want to identify something that we can kind of get a foothold into right away? Because it's a lot to a lot to unpack and a lot to consume. So where would you where did you want to start um, after watching both these episodes? Seven minutes. Yeah. So coming out of the last podcast we had, my main question going into, into this was, why did Michael Jordan retire? What was the real mm-hmm. reason, and what were they going to show us? Yeah, so, so funny I feel... because on the uh, on the front page, it just said "why," and I just thought of you and <laughs> asking that question. But okay, here we go. I'm just like, answers. let me know, man. Like, I'm 29. I'm trying to figure it out myself in this world, but I'm far from losing motivation. But I guess mm-hmm. you know, a little connection with this podcast. It's a passion project for us, and Michael Jordan was trying to find that that motivation he was trying to figure it out again and i feel you know in it was crazy in 1992 when they joined the dream team he was interviewed with this episode saying that he was done at that point and the only reason he wanted to come back was because magic johnson and larry bird never had the three-peat so once again of course he just has to prove i'm better than everybody else i gotta get this three-peat and then i'm good then i'm done with basketball yeah and just blew me away i was like all right cool so i guess that's really it you just want to make sure that before you're done with this you want to prove that you're absolutely the best and there's no question no doubt and you know of course maybe down the line somebody will be better but Uh there was such a story behind this that i don't know if anybody's going to be able to break michael jordan being the greatest of all time in the eyes of people that defend that till they die Koki, how do you how do you feel about this uh, in terms of why you retired or you know anything like that? Well, it's funny. So I happened to watch Jordan rides the bus, which is the ESPN thirty for thirty, uh, two days before I watched the episode. Um, not really on purpose, but sort of it happened, and I was like, oh, might as well watch it anyway. Um, so I think in both documentaries, I think Jordan and the bus rides the bus was actually more of a filler quite honestly, than I think the episode was. Um, I think what was interesting is that they just really went into the concept of his father dying, right? And as someone who's very close to his, to my, I'm close to my father, and I could understand if, especially if his father was there for the first, uh, first three championships, to win three NBA championships in a three-peat after a nine-year career, and then your father gets tragically murdered you know not just not just passes away or you know not just 
you know, you know, he gets murdered. That's a, that's a that's a way to definitely too. Yeah, it's very shocking, right? Um, so I could understand him wanting just to be like, all right, these guys are hounding me in the media. I'm physically exhausted. And yeah, being accused that you caused or had some influence on your father's murder from the media would probably be, and and before this episode, we were talking about the media's portrayal and agenda of him in the last episode. The cherry on top to be accused of your father's murder is just yeah. disgusting. I the mean, outrageous and cynical, un- unreal, unreal. Yeah. So that having that aspect of it really you know, be a real, and I think he opened up in the documentary about it where he talks about, hey, I needed a change, right? And his dad and him have been talking about baseball. He probably already sort of made the decision. Um, and I think this this episode, even the episode before, sort of reminded me of the episode earlier with Scotty. Not Scotty, I mean Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. Where Rodman's like, hey, I need to go, I need a break. Right, I need to. I need to get out of here. Need to get out of here and gotta go to Vegas. Gotta go to Vegas, <laughs> right? And I think for Mike, you know, he's not the he's not the person to go to Vegas and while out in that regard doesn't make sense for him. He, he loses focus, right? He doesn't like that. But to go and try to seriously, I think he seriously tried and attempted to master another sport, you know. That he had but she also had a background in as well, right? The passion well, yeah, part yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah the passion. So, right. and he, and also, quite honestly, and I think they didn't really hit on this either in the documentary of this one, and then Michael rides the bus. But when the owner of the team that you leave is also the owner of the team that you end up getting signed with, Helps it doesn't hurt a little bit. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't hurt. <laughs> and, so, you paid, and you paid your previous salary pre- too. On exactly. Team, which so you know, I think I think the the owner uh, Jerry, um, I don't remember his last name, but uh, he played it right. Reinsdorf, yeah, it was Ryan something. I just couldn't remember. Uh, I don't. But but uh, I don't want to cut you off. But that's why I mentioned the 1992, the summer of 92 with the Dream Team. It's like he already wanted to go to baseball before his father passed away. Mm-hmm. So his father passing away, it was an emotional time, of course, because he was more than just his father. He was his best friend. He was his role model, inspiration, I'm sure, everything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he was burning out because of how hard he worked and how like insane he was to prove to everybody that he was absolutely better than you. And uh, it, it was just incredible to see that transition because yeah. I, I followed LeBron James' career pretty pretty deeply. You know, as a basketball fan and someone that was, you know, born in 1990, I, I'm not going to have that same perspective for Michael Jordan. But I've always been just blown away by LeBron's longevity. And the fact that he could just pace himself, but still insert dominance and come up with a big play when you needed it. And no matter the doubters, you know, he still had adversity like Michael Jordan did. Um, you know, it's funny. I, was, I saw this clip of Colin Coward doubting LeBron when he was um, going into the Warriors series and they were down 3-1. He's like, well, all right, his career's over. His career's over. There's no way he's going to make that big play again. And then all of a sudden, you know, we know we know the history. He runs off three, three. Well, hot takes like that gets you a prime time radio show on Fox Sports. So that's where you go and you can make sure. those hottest of takes. To 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 take a, a kind of a, a, a different path or, or or to add on to your point, Tim, about um, longevity, yeah. is that the mind frame of Jordan when he first retired was, I've got my legacy. I you know like legacy was built for me. Um, or achieved by me in a shorter amount of time than sometimes take people to establish that across, you know, a, a 12-year career uh, or even more than that um, to establish legacy. You know, yes, Tom Brady's one of the best, you know, maybe pure passers or, or, or all-around quarterbacks we've seen, um, but a lot of people are giving him a lot of, like, more accolades because, lo, look at how long he's been here, you know? And, and whether those are correlated or not, you know, all comes down to, what's inside the athlete's head. But Jordan at that age was like, came got three. I'm passionate about this. That's the reason I need, I don't need to be, you know, I don't need to be the old guy that, that 
gets dragged off the court and he mentioned it so much in I think last week's couple episodes um so he just has I think that uh, and I like to hope that this thing and most superstars are the ones that really you know define an era is that you hope that they have that kind of next level understanding and they're not just kind of wayward with how they are going about their decision making you know it seemed like Jordan for all of his intensities and his alienations of the team also had the yin yang effect with kind of this thoughtfulness and you kind of do see that I thought these episodes were really cool at kind of highlighting Jordan's own mental and then how that relates to his um, teammates going forward. I mean, I thought the insight with Steve Kerr and Tony Kukoc, uh, Pippen not, you know, taking that final, uh, you know, the, the final shot or sitting out of the final uh, uh, couple of minutes. And when he did that, the first thought I had was like, remember in the beginning, first two episodes when, uh, you know, Jordan was just told to pass to find Paxton and Jordan's like, uh, but he knew, like, okay, that's that's the play of the game. And I, those little things about Jordan, I think, is what makes him more honorable as a great, just because he has those, you know, the the fluctuation of of thought and how he goes about it. I, I thought I gained a lot more of um, interest and, and kind of reverence of his talent because of that. I don't know if you guys want to float on that or not, but there's a takeaway from it. 100%, man. I feel... There were two moments that really stood out to me in terms of what drew the emotion out of Michael Jordan throughout the first eight episodes we have. The first moment was when he was reading the note for he gave his mother when he was in college. And at least I know for me, I could definitely empathize with that where you have absolutely nothing. You're really just like desperate for, for whatever your mother can give you. And, uh, you know, that drew him to emotion because, you know, family and that and that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. But the second thing was at the end of this seventh episode was when he was talking about like defending his philosophy, just like you were saying, like why he talked to his teammates in such a demeaning manner. It was about winning three championships Mm -hmm. in a row. And -hmm. that was it. Um, But like he retired because there was no more challenges, no more motivation. And I feel, you know, I want to bring up the summer in 92, like I said before, because this was long. This was, I feel like this was probably a thought from high school. You know, I know I, I read something when he was 15, he got cut by his high school basketball team. Everybody knows about mm-hmm. that, but he, he thought sincerely about quitting basketball for good and just doing baseball. So, Going into this documentary, something in the back of my head is always going, uh, always was, really. What was his love? Was was baseball always something that really was going to be a seed in the back of his head throughout mm-hmm. his entire career? Something that going to pull him away, or you know, how how is that going to impact? And mm-hmm. I feel you know this was a great two part, um, you know, weekend where seven and eight really showcased. What was his mentality, not just about how he talked to his teammates, but truly mm-hmm. why he just had nothing left. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, it, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you, you saw that it wasn't the finale. Cause you know, we, we do have two more <laughs> definitely didn't, didn't cap off, uh, you know, finale like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see, you know, what's next. We all know, you know, they're going to play the Pacers and, Reggie Miller set up at the end of episode eight, like, okay, it's our time to take it. It's our time mm-hmm. to show him, like, all right, we're going to put you into retirement. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and of course they go to finals, play the jazz and mm-hmm. get the shot. And all of a sudden, boom, championships number mm-hmm. three. Well, yeah, no, I think when it comes to, I think these last two episodes, we do get a little bit more of a curtain behind Mike and his process. I found it interesting when you were talking about the way he rides Scotty Burrell, right? Um, for in the 90, 98 season, ninety seven, ninety eight, where he's who all who does sound like a pretty stand up dude. No, <laughs> no, Scotty Burrell. He does, and, and again, I think again when you see Mike both on the court and off the court, right? He, he, he it's he's consistent, right? And I Indeed. think that's yeah. I think that one thing that he says throughout the whole documentary from beginning to the end is that. If you're in my circle, I care about what you think. Everything else is for the game. 
right? And in terms of like the way that his father, his relationship with his father and why he retired the first time, I mean, again, like I said, to have someone, I don't think many father sons that I know of get to see their children succeed at a level and they can actually be a part of that success, right? There's, there's, there's father son combinations where you get to uh, experience a bit of it, attend, attend an award show or a ceremony once, but to be able to go see your son work every day and then also once he hit achieves those goals, then also be on stage with him, right? That's like, that's that's producing a movie and then going to be at the Oscars with them, right? <laughs> like and being on stage with them. That that I think that changes the dynamic. I think then more than I really think than really any athlete we had seen at the time, right? I think the only other comparable athlete would have been like a Tiger Woods, um, mm-hmm. where their father wasn't just again another proud parent. They were almost to a degree, you know, part of the team. Right. Uh-huh. Um, the way that uh, Jordan's father was in every, I mean, when you see the pictures and you look at the locker, I didn't, I didn't personally did not realize how much. Um, and like Mike said, it was like a friend. Right. And I think that uh, that first retirement, I think, I mean, I can't emphasize enough. I think how much that impacted his motivations. Right. Cause I think there, there's a part of him that, might have kept going for maybe another year or so um, if his dad was still alive. But, I mean, you take away that, that there, and especially with everything, all the other noise, right? I think his father is that last straw, like he was sort of saying, to, like, breaking the camel's back. Like, you can't really uh, – you really can't, I, I don't think, emphasize enough how much that changes the uh, the whole dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Um and then to the point of his mentality, actually, I thought it was really, really interesting, was his him defending his mentality for um, for how he treated his, his teammates was, like you said, he wants to win. On the court, when he's on the court, he is going to go as hard as he needs to. And I think also being a child of the 80s basketball, but as hard as he needs to to make these guys – go that much harder and for it to be easier for these guys that much easier in the game um, we like that today by the way i mean we like that and yes as fans in, in in most cases do you think we like that today i mean we like that in players of the past i think but you know when you think of team and talent and putting up the goods i mean do we are there people not even comparable to Mike. Right? Let's just talk about like the second-rate people or whatever. Mm. I mean, do we like that today? The guy that's going to go in there and just badger an entire team with as much publicity as we give sports today? You don't really, you know, some people. I don't think you even really hear of stories, or if they are, they're super rare. Of like Draymond Green telling whom, like Kevin Durant, to like, you know, called him a name and said, "Put up a shot." I mean. You just – the boat rocking is so much more substantial now when it does come out. But I don't know if we yeah. – have we kind of moved on from that style of player mentality in a team sport? Well, and I that's think, why we're so fascinated and kind of being like, oh, that's a unique thing because now we don't really have a lot of people that are, you know, outside of the fighting world, that type of cocky, in-your-face, you know, mentality of a of athlete in sports well, anymore. Well, well, I think it's also part of the effect of the concept of even physicality, right? So Mike literally to the point will fight you, right? So mm-hmm. he wants you to fight him. He wanted Steve Burrell. Like you said, he said, I want Steve to fight me. You know, stand up for yourself, Steve, right? When Steve, Steve Kerr, Kerr yeah, when Steve Kerr punches him in the, in the chest, he's like, you know what? Steve earned my respect. I crossed the line. You're right. But yeah, Steve, you earned my respect mm-hmm. because you didn't back down. I think that across the board, right? Um, especially in sports, especially in team sports, um, unless you're, again, I think the only sport that really does it still is football um, to a degree because you can allow for parts for people to actually get physical with you. Mm-hmm. But, and you see it in when you watch the, you know, when you watch preseason, the you know, hard knocks, there's always a fight or two in camp and never, no one has an issue with it. Um, but realistically, I think 
especially in a sport like basketball, we've gotten away from it because people don't like to see the physicality of it, right? To your point, there's too many cameras. There's too many moments in which all that is not just seen, but then also scrutinized, right? Um, sort of, especially basketball. Like in basketball, Michael comes out of the 80s and into the 90s realistically, right? There was a mentality of, oh no, you can hit someone, be physical. You can hand check them. You can do all these things. By the mid 2000s and then into the, you know, for the 2010s, like that changed, right? David Stern got rid of a lot of the physicality out of basketball, both on the court, which then also definitely persists off the court. Yeah, it has to have some type of of bleed over just to the mentality of the athlete if you're fully. If you're being told, hey, it's a becoming a, for lack of a better word, it's just becoming a softer sport, if you will. Um, fully, fully. A more delicate and, one, maybe. Well, I mean, again, I think this is the mentality, again, like the only sport that sort of still exists is, is in football. And it, it, yeah, again, even there, hockey, I think actually hockey exists a lot the most probably, actually. Let me take that back a little. Because, again, hockey to the degree – there's a certain understanding, right? These guys are here to get their teeth knocked out, right? Um, it's an accepted rule, man. It's an accepted rule, right? And even though it sounds insane to anyone who doesn't play the sport, you know that, yeah, well, if you do, if I do it now in practice, you know, we beat our, we beat ourselves up. By the time we get to the game, there's who am I going to be scared of, right? Um, Mike learned that, as we heard and saw in the, in the series, in the 80s against the Pistons. He's not going to forget that. He's not going to forget getting his, literally his ass whooped by Rodman. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can't forget that. Um, and I think, I think you guys are, are missing one guy, though. What about hmm. Jimmy Butler? What about the way he treated his teammates in Philadelphia? The way he treated his teammates in Minnesota? He couldn't handle Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, as you guys have mm-hmm. talked about many other times and previous pods and he can handle D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns because they are part of this new modern era mm-hmm. of people that are given pretty much everything mm-hmm. and are admired and bowed down to and dating celebrities. And, uh, you know, I think I'm not sure, but uh, I think D'Angelo Russell and Ben Simmons both dated Kendall Jenner, but I don't know. I could be wrong there. But I think we'll get our, we'll get our sources on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get on that, get on that. But I think uh, you know Miami Heat's an organization that really, really wants that from their athletes. And he all of a sudden be, you know, he's probably one of the most underrated players in the game because of that. Jerry, oh, if, Jimmy definitely came to mind. I totally, okay. not, like, totally am on uh, on your side with that one. It's a good call out. Sure. Yeah. But overall, yeah, I mean, we're talking maybe two or three guys. Patrick Beverly is another guy that comes to my mind that mm-hmm. you know just wants to get in there and I think he would he would prefer to play like Gary Payton than mm-hmm. in this new modern era um, but you know that's that's the areas in today it's, it's you got to yeah. deal with you got to play your cards that are yeah. in your hand and for those who are going to be watching this later we will be trying to get Koki back assumably he will be jumping back into this phone call um but thus is podcasting in the new age um but you know actually the mentality though is such an interesting part to talk about you know the the physicality of of playing the sport is is something you can awe at but that mentality of how much he understood it almost felt like he was on a different mental than anybody like only a few people could understand even where he's coming from you know, like some people couldn't even understand, like you, you saw that they didn't want to say it. Like, I don't think they wanted to outright say it, but some of them, I felt you could have just taken their little clip from the interview and answered, dude, it's just a game, you know, and that just a game idea would have killed him. <laughs> would have, you know, like that, that wasn't even comprehensible. And we go back to that purpose. Like Michael's purpose was to win. Like it was just, it was so center focused and yes, he had, the shoe deal and you know he had space jam but even during space jam they had what what they call that like mike's dome dome mike or something like that yeah, built it just for him yeah, um, that, and, so and invited work, people hard. into it you know like it's just he was so he was so 
determined, tunnel vision, yeah. perfect, perfect word. Um, and, and in both, and I try to look at today, right? And you try to mm -hmm. see, you have LeBron, LeBron definitely can put up without a doubt. His focus always seems to be, the last week we talked about playoff LeBron and that's absolutely true. You just, there seems to be more business decisions every generation you get as these things become, multi, these leagues become multifaceted and the cream of the crop get the bigger deals and whatnot. Um, it seemed like Jordan was either just lucky enough to have that stuff coincide with his success. And he had people that, that were kind of, you know, able to do that to make him successful. And he showed up mm -hmm. and, you know, that's putting it very, very broadly or vaguely or lightly. Um, whereas there seems to be more of a, um, a, what's the, a preconception of what LeBron's doing in his career. And you have other great athletes that are, have a preconception of what they're going to do in his career. Um, Michael was just very much, I'm winning. And then whomever's ticking me off, whatever personal tick I need to add into my brain to stop that guy, I'm going to do. And people felt the wrath. I love this part about the entire episodes was that the wrath of shutting down particular players, shutting down Orlando or shutting down, um, the, oh, what was the was it Anderson on the Hornets? I'm forgetting his last name. Yeah, it was, it was Nick um, Anderson was on the right. Orlando Magic. He was the guy that stripped him. Yeah, and he called him out. He's like, all right, well, you know, number 23 could have beat us, but 45's got no chance. And then Mike's like, mm -hmm. all right, fine, 45's not. I'm not feeling it. I'm gonna put on 23. Like, who who could do that? Like, Michael Jordan could do whatever he, he wants. He could do that absolutely. Yeah. He's the guy that gets the same contract when he's playing minor league baseball. So you know, right. it's like, all right, fine. And by all the looks of it, too, it looked like Mike, you know, if you were just to watch, you know, if like I was a kid, you know, if you grew up in the 90s um, on the later end of his career mm -hmm. and all you saw was Space Jam, you have thought that his baseball career was pathetic. Mike seemed to be on a trajectory to having a pretty reliable baseball career if he wanted to continue going on to the majors. That's what I really Good. appreciate from this doc. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think about it sort of how I was saying before, like Mike wanted baseball from the beginning. And I think, uh, was it the Boston Red Sox manager? He was like, if Mike just had 145 at bats, he would have made the majors. Yeah. And they, the double a couldn't even handle all of his fame. So they're like, you know what? We're going to, push you into an even harder division right <laughs> you know right. To, just because like we we can't handle the media outrage we're mm -hmm. getting more fans here than major league stadiums i'm sure and, at least and in chicago his determination you know it took all but a minute and a half to get through what he was saying but what he was saying about what he had to do to get into baseball readiness you know understanding that or not even, you know, to understand what he did to get through baseball writing this because, you know, the next scene was him returning to basketball and saying, you know, baseball, not as much shoulders and chest as basketball. It took me 15 right. months to turn my body around. Um, you know, these, it's so easy to one off and be like, yeah, he was okay. You know, if he heard a little bit more here, he would have been a better baseball player. But the dude is spending, in, in a, you know, an entire year to completely transform his body, to go through bare blistered hands to hit over 400 pitches it seems like a day um you know and then go on uh and 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 even after the struggle of when he saw the change up rather than or the knuckle rather than the, the fastball down the plate um you know and then just the determination to go forward and be humble enough where you know when they were interviewing his who was soon going to be his manager in the lower leagues you know, they kind of, the manager had such a way of saying it where you're like, you know, he's like, I'm about to manage Michael Jordan. And he's kind of like saying, like, what do I have to say to Michael Jordan? But at the same time, Michael was like, all right, this isn't my field. I need to learn. I need to humble myself. Yeah. Just, you know, if it's the story continues and it's very impressive in what he's doing in his physical feet. But if you didn't walk away from seven and eight, having a new at least respect or at least if you if you truly don't like success and don't like the michael jordans of you know of history at least you have to acknowledge of you know wow this guy had to put in a lot you know regardless of what i think of him 
he had to put in a lot to do even a you know a minor level of success in in whatever he wanted to do especially when it pertains to baseball yeah right after you threw out the first pitch of that game all of a sudden the media found the story and everything circled around it was almost like the oj trials like everybody in the media needed to cover this story and everybody's like well you may not like it but this is mm -hmm. what everybody wants to hear about he was just the most famous athlete we've seen since muhammad ali mm -hmm. so that that was that that transition between taking you know chicago bulls that were absolutely terrible before him creating this franchise three peats retires does another three peat mm -hmm. he created something out of nothing mm -hmm. whether it was the chicago bulls or nike and that's that's why we love him so much. We, we mm -hmm. created this, you know, aura around him, but I don't know when, when he said I'm back, you know, in the first, in the beginning of episode eight, it's like, okay, that that's all you need to say. It's simple mm -hmm. as that. Like mm -hmm. some, some articles don't require extra words. Just, just no. be simple about it. Like, all right, this is Michael Jordan. He's back. Like that, that's it. We get it. Mm -hmm. But just like mm -hmm. you were saying, it's really impressive to put on like he only started lifting weights in like 89 if i'm like tracking his career right and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden he transitions his body to try to hit a curveball which i can't even do myself um you know so you know the I, hand I, I get it, but that's it it's like it humbled him we're like in the media needed to focus on that it's like michael jordan's human mm -hmm. it's like oh, oh okay yeah of course he's human but you know, we, we just wanted to tear him down in any way we could. Mm -hmm. And what I really admired about him, he didn't care about that. He's like, those are the people that are going to talk about me. They're not the people that I respect. If my right. mother's telling me this, it's one thing. But if like some guy from ESPN wants to, you know, say I'm, I'm terrible at baseball and I am disrespecting the game, like that's on mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And it was really hurtful to see the way the media treated him when his father died. I'm sure that absolutely. was absolutely terrible. And there was nothing better for him in his life than going to play baseball because of that locker room. And, you know, everybody's joking around and he could forget about it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, there was media, but he, he was used to compartmentalizing everything. After the games with Chicago Bulls, he did his media and he took care of that and then he was out. So I'm sure it's the same with baseball. You go in, you get your autograph signed. He's used to the fame. It exhausted him, but it was a separation from Scottie Pippen and and that whole you know Bulls regime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing that kind of stood me out, stood out to me with this one was Jerry Krause again. You know, he he opens up number seven and he's like, "Well, you know, there's no collusion here. Don't worry about it. We're not. We're not." Uh, was a backstabbing i think his quote was we're not yeah we're not backstabbing yep. here but but yet you're gonna fire phil jackson even if he goes 82 and i was like yeah okay fine you, you can yeah, say what yeah. you want and then he gloats up tony kukoc he's like everybody in europe gonna admire him number seven is, yeah. is everything as as we know with cristiano ronaldo but yeah you know, it's like yeah, it's true it's take, true uh, <laughs> Take Could you no imagine kids. Cristiano comes They're out? They're all going to want to be like Tony. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine Cristiano comes out and be like, yeah, the reason I'm sad is because Tony Kukoc is sad. Oh, and that man. would just that be, would be, so good, <laughs> just right? be so, I mean, Tony, Tony's an interesting character because he's his whole persona or the whole like, you know, because it kind of made him out to be kind of the subsidiary villain in one of the episodes playing for Croatia. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the the, the the spillover into the bulls of him being you know on the team and then this episode opens up with Krause singing his you know praises and whatnot um but by all of course it looks like tony was just trying to play basketball in america like he just <laughs> dude got thrown an unfortunate hand coming into it but it just seems to me like this is a guy who was like i will i'm from croatia i can I play ball yeah <laughs> did, did you imagine like the next thing he comes from Croatia, the next thing you know, he's getting rant, like has Scotty Pippen in his ear in like yeah, the second right. season and just and this was a guy who him. humiliated me in the Olympics. Yep. And you become one of your one of the greatest players in Croatia. Well, probably the greatest of all time. Like I'd I'm not really sure. Greatest, I'm not yeah, well versed, but um I'm Dante sure he's one of the greatest of all time in Croatia. But you is know, Dante's he gets, from Croatia? 
Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, right. He was locked down by you know Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, uh, and then all of a sudden he's going to take a pay cut, and all of a sudden this guy Jerry Krause wants to take all the you know credit for it. So of course he's like, here's this international talent I found, and I I just want to make sure you guys remember this is about the organization here. This isn't about players. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was he was elated in a way that Michael Jordan retired and the team was flowing and the ball was moving and Scottie Pippen was their greatest player, but he was passing it around like mm-hmm. he was LeBron or something. That was that was really fun to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Koki, I see you're back here. I'm back. We yeah. were just uh, talking about Tony Kukoc and how you know he probably got Cristiano Ronaldo to wear number seven. Just, of course, <laughs> why not? Honestly, I mean, I don't know. Tony Kukoc, I like his mentality, right? He's just like, hey, I'm coming in here to play basketball. Yeah. Right. Um, That's exactly what you're saying. He's just a kid from Croatia who's like, I'm playing ball in America. But but that comes with so much more, especially the way he entered the league. Yeah, I think from the you saw from the 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 ninety two, you know, the ninety two dream team. And you saw it again when he gets to the team. You know, I think it, it's also tough because I think that part of it came back into Scotty's mind when he made that decision, right? Mm-hmm. Once it sit out. I think and I think it's interesting because Scotty is I think fundamentally more emotional than Michael. Right? Where to your point, Trav, you, you know, Mike's going to pass the ball to Bill Paxson if it means winning, right? And Scotty definitely wants to win, but he he does have to – it has to be someone that he truly believes is better than him. And I think the whole thing with Kukoc is that he does not believe Kukoc is better than him. Um, and like you said, if he did it a thousand times, I don't think he would have changed it because I think that was also important for the growth of him as a That person. kind of confused me. Like, that – I – yeah, we all want to hear like, oh, if I could do it all again, I wouldn't do it. No, it just he actually said he like, would. He said he, he would said do he it. He would do it again. He doesn't regret it. I, one bit. I know. That's, that that blew yeah. my mind almost. It was like. I don't think so. That that makes sense for me because. To me, it was petty. To me, it was just of petty. Well, I don't think it was petty. I think he's one of those people that believes things happen for a reason, right? And I think that his maturity level, realistically, from everything that Scotty Across the board, right? I think Scotty's career is a really interesting career because I think he's naive at first, immature at times, but then day he got to win and play with one of the greatest players of all time, right? And I think there are many faults in Scotty that aren't in Mike that affect, I think, Scotty overall, right? I think Scotty is more of a, like I said, emotional emotional being though he's more he's more quieter you know mike is way more in you but mike is very consistent in that regard right so you can know when mike is upset you know when mike is not mm-hmm. i think scotty because he's nice nat- his natural inclination is to be quiet everyone thinks that he's not necessarily strong mm-hmm. and i think for good or for bad at times he attempts to be strong when the time doesn't necessarily call for it, right? I'll throw you something on that too, is that it's Scotty, and correct me if I'm wrong throughout this couple last couple episodes, you know, Mike, I think Mike can can show, can look eye to eye, or or, let me say this way. I think that people like Tony Kukoc, I think people like Steve Kerr, I think people like, well, let's just focus on those two because those play the most important two parts of this uh, basketball episode. You know, Mike confronted them in the essence that Steve Kerr obviously punched him in the chest or, or whatever have you. And then, you know, even though Mike was not on the team at the time, but Tony accepting that shot and saying that I'm the man and I'm going to drain this, I think and this is complete speculation here, but just from what he, you know, his outcome perspective on Steve Kerr after he got, you know, went to do him, um, is that, you know, when you can stare, when you can answer the moment, whether it be Mike's getting in your face or your star player just decided that he's not going in and you got to now 
make that shot. I think that those moments show Jordan, okay, this guy answered the bell. I think that, and you have to remind me if I'm wrong on this one, though, I haven't seen really a confrontation between Michael and Scotty or Scotty versus some adversity, you know, besides his injury and his less pay, where Mike could have been, you know, looked at him and said, okay, Scotty, you know, Scotty deserves that, you know, little respect in my eye now because he stared down adversity. I think that over the time, Scotty got it from Michael, but unless there's something that we haven't seen already, those moments of adversity, Scotty then sat on the bench in this regard versus playing for the team, taking the shot, or in Steve Kerr's case, throwing a punch, you know, just those little moments of, of defiance, if you will. Well, I think, I think Scotty needs Mike again, like I said, more of a mental, from a mental standpoint, right? I think realistically Mike can't say anything to Scotty because Scotty has done everything that Mike's asked him to do, right? Like even though at the time that he's pissed off that Scotty's out, he's like, all right, well, Scotty's out. And I think that's the sort of the difference in sort of Mike and Scotty, because also again, Mike will go out there and do that. Scotty, for all the talent that he has, I think is more of, hey, I'm gonna go do me. Quite I feel honestly, like Scotty is more comfortable being number two. Like that's his comfort zone. That's where he, I mean, sells, and that's his fame. He's never wanted to be the guy that's going to be the number, you know, first chair, if you will. No, I think he wants to be number, the number one if Mike's not there. As in, hey, the moment is mine. And, or the moment where, you know, I'm playing better. I'm playing, like he said, very calmly. He's like, I thought I was better than Jordy. The reason he sat out. But that's why he was so pissed. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he wasn't going to get the ball. ball he's he, like, this is my time. What do you this, mean? Mike's not here. This is my team. You're not going to give this team to Tony Kukoc. I don't care how much Jerry Krause loves him, like, but I think him off. And I think it was also again, it's that moment of where he thinks that Phil should have known, right? Where I think that yeah. for the good and bad of Phil, and I think you know we've sort of seen this in teams where he's not with a Jordan or a Kobe. Phil sort of lets you will let you do you, right? In every sense, Phil is never going to force or pushes his agenda on you. You're either on it or you're not on it, right? And I think that for the most part, people respond. But I think that sometimes in this, especially in this regard, he looks at Scott, he's like, all right, cool. You're not on it. We're running the play. We're running the play. Like, that's the only thing that matters. So I think- wasn't wrong. No, I wouldn't adverse. I didn't say it was wrong. Phil was right on. You know, and it's, but that's, that's sort of the, that's the thing about Phil, right? And I think that also comes across where, you know, where you see it with Rodman, you see it with Steve Burrell, you know, I, and again, I thought it was really interesting this episode to you know, old teammates is BJ Johnson and what it was interesting to see Mike's underlying motivations, right? Like I think the thing with Scotty, I did day, I think Scotty cares more about living his life day to day in a, in a place of Zen. Yeah. The right? purpose of it. Yeah. And the purpose of it. And I think that, realistically Scotty's background and, and backing from a family standpoint, it's fundamentally different than Mike. I think Mike, because of someone like his father, accepts the leader role wholeheartedly and never wavers from that. He can't, he doesn't know how to do anything less. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. And then when you see, so his motivations for dominating, you know, I don't think Scotty ever wants to dominate. I think Scotty just wants to play basketball. Mike wants to dominate you and hit like yeah. all the, this, these last two episodes were really examples of the little slight slights that either motivate him to dominate and raise his game better, which I don't think even if they're true or not, right. Whether it's the, what's the young, the second year guy saying, Hey Mike, nice game after scoring 37, which he might've never did. Yeah. Mike's a sicko by the way for <laughs> He's just a sicko. <laughs> but again, like to your point of like the athlete, right? The old, the, this is more of the mentality of one of my favorite football players is Deacon Jones. And his mentality for the word, the sack was that he was going to take every quarterback in the league, put him in a burlap sack 
and beat the living shit out of them. That that's was so the violent. that's very that's the that's the foundation of the word sack kids. That right there. And that mentality means I need to dominate you. I need to make you feel my pain. Right. Um and I, I think that again, Scotty, especially the way that he was brought grown up and as a player, he always had Mike to be that guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think that he it's similar to Dennis, right? Dennis just had to be Dennis. Right? He didn't have to be he didn't have to be he didn't have to be anything I think Scotty else. Scotty, like I was saying, Scotty absolutely wants to be number one, but to win the championship, some players are just best fit as that number two guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jimmy Butler's a number one mental guy, like guy mentally, yeah. but like yeah. game wise, he's he's not there. Like he needs somebody else, which is why, like you know, I'm a little concerned about Miami. But they're more of like a future project. Just seeing Bam out of IO, like oh man, they got it. But we'll we'll save that for another day. We're really focused on the Bulls. Yeah, here. My, Miami's playing with house money right now. Just enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, having fun for sure. Yeah, really. But there's there's just a lot of players in the game that are like that. Like, you know, we always try to figure out Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, right? It's like mentally, they're probably both number twos. Talent-wise, they're both number one. So that creates a terrible dynamic because they both think they're number one, but they're not acting that way. But they have the talent for it. So it creates, you know, something great to talk about. But terrible for your organization in terms of winning because then all of a sudden a Celtics team with a bunch of young kids could just come in and take it over because Brad Mm -hmm. Stevens just, you know, is a better coach. They'll straight Mm -hmm. up just win. But Phil Jackson was able to showcase what he could do when Scottie Pippen was the guy because all of a sudden he was getting a lot more credit. Mm -hmm. And I feel a lot of this documentary is a credit, like, negotiation. It's like who who's really getting it all? And some some guys are okay with Michael Jordan getting all the credit. Yeah. But I'm sure, you know, Phil wanted it. Absolutely. Jerry Krause wanted it. Scotty Pippen definitely wanted a little bit of it. And that was his time to shine. And the team was flowing. And you know, it 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 definitely sucks that 1.8 seconds left in the game can change your entire outlook of your career in the public eye. Because people are going to hark on that one moment. You know, I hope that LeBron can showcase, you know, 10,000 moments for people to forget about 2011 versus the Mavs. But at the end of the day, that's always going to be one of the first things people bring up. And with Michael Jordan, they talk about the shot and 1998 versus the Bulls uh, versus the Jazz. And then they talk about, his minor league baseball career because that was when we saw him crumble. But like we're saying before, he probably was going to be pretty good at baseball too. You know, he figured it out. He started off with a 14 game hit streak or something like that's incredible. You were in triple a right off the get just because you're famous and you're able to hit 200. Like that's, that's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was great. It was great. Go ahead. Well, I think it's, yeah, I think it's interesting to see, again, like you said, it's a credit bit. It's a credit sort of documentary. And I think it's also a montage of different, is it a montage of, again, I think Michael's motivations, realistically, right? Like I, like I said, I think it's really interesting when Mike has to deal with the old players, you know, Horace Grant. You know, he hates when Horace is celebrating, you know, after they beat him in the series. That pisses him off. You know, he hates. Don't talk shit, don't, Michael Jordan. Don't do <laughs> that, please. Wake, wake up! Don't wake up, Mike. And I and I think though, I think though that's what people forget about Mike is that that's the his motivation, right? Mm-hmm. So, a lot Give of it me a reason. Yeah, you know, a lot of it is. I think think again the difference in Mike and LeBron, right? LeBron is going to look like that, act like that, and do that anyway. Because he's usually physically just bigger than everyone, right? And I think he learned the hard way, okay, you got to do a little bit more. You got to get a little bit more skill. Michael has to work very hard just to get to that one place, right? And His game was at the rim, mm-hmm. but he was a little man yeah. coming in a center-dominated league. When you look at the list of all the great players, it was like Hakeem, Shaq, 
you know, down the line, just center after center after center. Very magic. And every team had a power forward right next to him, like blocking the paint. So we had to generate that mid-range. And it's just incredible to see the game today. Now you want to do everything. You know, even your centers Mm -hmm. are ball handling, shooting threes. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, please, like, you could be so good. Uh, Just please, please figure this out. Watch this documentary. Like, get a little (laughs) mentality boost. I want to yeah. see all these players be great. Like, hope everybody learns that from me. I, I don't want to be biased. We all are biased at the end of the day, but I just want to see the greatest out of you. And that's what sports can bring me. And it's, that's the joy I'm going to get from it. So please, Carl Anthony Towns, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, listen, watch, like, just take a note. Great. <laughs> just be great. Just yeah. be great. That's actually a great message message to leave off we're a little overboard so we're gonna wrap it there gentlemen um a few psas before we go uh the bundesliga is coming back on slowly introducing some soccer the premier league is going to be starting back up again behind closed doors um for all you sicko need something to bet on something i hope you enjoy horse racing in the korean league that's currently out at the moment um but as we go forward maybe talk a little Premier League, um, oh, and sure. especially because this will be a, you know, barring substantial collapse. This will be the first Premier League win for my Liverpool Reds over here. Um, and how to kind of analyze that as a fan um, going forward in, in the COVID experience where it's, you know, not attended by fans and, and pretty much just strictly going to be enjoying it alone not in bars and how that how that might put an asterisk over what we have to expect in our own uh, domestic seasons going forward so a little bit more to talk about of course we will be uh back here on next monday to talk about the finale not eight but ten uh episodes in this in this journey um so we will be back and uh koki you do the honors this time tell the tell the people keep it nerdy Mm-hmm.